first time or maybe you're just visiting, you are joining with us for a very special time because we're in the final week of a series that we've been going through called One Another, where we've been going through seven of the hundred or so One Another statements throughout the New Testament. And the point of this series hasn't been to fill up anyone's head with just more knowledge, but to give all of us practical steps in how we might be able to love one another well um, in, our, in our lives. And today, we're going to get straight into our passage of Scripture, which is Galatians 5, 13 to 15. So if you have a Bible, open up to Galatians 5, 13 to 15, it'll also be up there on the screen. And it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. Now, during our time together this morning, we're going to be focusing on just six words in these three short verses. And these six words are serve one another humbly in love. And what we're going to do today is we're going to take these six words apart piece by piece and look at them individually. First, by looking at the action that's being stated and then by looking at the attitude that we're to do this action with. And the action is simply this, which is to serve one another. Now, when I say this word serve, or I say the word service, what does your mind immediately go to? When I say this word service myself, and when I was thinking about what my mind first goes to, it goes to certain careers and job paths that people might have in their lives. The Queensland Police Service has as their motto, to protect and to serve. Politicians in our country, they serve for a particular period and politicians often refer to their job as service for their country. There's a whole area of business called customer service, which some of you would be involved in. We have entire industries that fit under the banner service industries. And this is how our faithful, reliable Wikipedia describes service industries. Service industries are those not directly con uh, concerned with production of physical goods such as agriculture and manufacturing. Some service industries, including transportation, wholesale trade and retail trade, are part of the supply chain delivering goods produced in the agricultural and manufacturing sectors to final consumers. Other services are provided directly to consumers. These include healthcare, education, information services, legal services, financial services and public administration. The service sector accounts for around 70 to 80 percent of employment in modern economies. Who here currently or in a previous life would say that they have been part of a service industry in some way? Okay, uh, a large portion of uh, of all of you here today. Um, I don't want to take away from your career in, uh, in any way, but what is being spoken about here when it says to serve one another, it's not speaking about service in the same way that we might understand it when we think about service industries. There is a difference between these different careers, service industry careers, and what the Bible here is speaking about. The difference is, is that uh, uh, someone's job 
um, results in a reward for someone. And the reward is, at the very least, financial compensation. Now, the reason that these different uh, jobs and careers were initially called service careers is because there was an expectation on people who went into careers like this that they would go above and beyond what they had on their position description. There was an expectation that there was something of a person of themselves that would be offered to their local community. But this is different than what is being spoken about here in the Bible when we're being called to serve one another. If we only think about service in terms of receiving something when you serve, whether it's affirmation or financial gain, or even just a sense of enjoyment, then we've missed the picture of what Paul is trying to say here to the church in Galatia. The word serve here in the original language is the same word used to describe servants and slaves in their society. So in one sense... This passage could just as easily say, enslave yourself to one another. Now, if you're anything like me, that kind of language doesn't really sit very well. Enslave yourself to one another. We don't have a positive picture of slavery in our culture, and that is a good thing. Now, although our outlook on enslaving ourselves to someone else might give us tingles up our spine, it might make us churn in our stomach a little bit and make us feel uncomfortable, it's pretty likely that it would have made people in their society feel even worse, because Contrary to us who sees uh, things like slavery as happening at a distance or happening in the past, this was an everyday reality for these people. They saw it firsthand every single day. This command that Paul was giving to the church in Galatia would have conjured up imagery of how slaves had been treated. Because in the ancient world, slaves weren't considered people, but they were treated more like property. Not long before this was written in 73 to 71 uh, BC, there was something that happened which was called the Third Servile War. It was also called the Gladiator War or the War of Spartacus. Some of you may have seen the movie Spartacus. I think it was released in the 70s or something like that. Uh, And in this war, a gladiator named Spartacus revolted with 70 other Um, gladiators and they broke away from captivity discontent with their circumstances and they gathered a force of a hundred and twenty thousand other slaves who were rebelling against their masters and they marched against Rome and made some huge victories this is a big army for that time a hundred and twenty thousand slaves but ultimately because they were coming up against the Roman Empire they were defeated and 40 21,000 of these slaves were killed, including 6,000 of these slaves being crucified for their rebellion. Now, for all these slaves, they were willing to die rather than stay as slaves. For most of them, when they rebelled against their masters, there would have been an understanding for them that they were likely to be killed rather than 
than be successful. Now, being a slave wasn't something that anyone would ever want to enter into willingly. This was something that you escaped out of and desired uh, to have no part in your life. So for Paul to be telling the Galatians in this passage, be like slaves to one another, that's a pretty difficult thing to hear. And yet this is the attitude that Paul encourages for all followers of Jesus to take, to serve one another and not expect anything back in return. Be willing to serve one and, uh, other believers in the same way that a slave might serve their master. Now, notice a strange paradox in Paul's words here. He starts this, uh, these few verses speaking very differently. He starts by saying, you, my brothers and sisters, you are called to be free. But then his next words are effectively serve one another like slaves to one another. So you find freedom through being slaves to one another. It's a strange paradox that Paul is communicating here. I think the message paraphrase actually really helps to communicate what is being said about freedom and service here. The message paraphrase says this, It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather use your freedom to serve one another in love, and that's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence, love others as you love yourself, and that is a true act of freedom. In Australia, we admire people who have done great acts of service. Every single one of us would acknowledge that we admire those people and we seek to honour those people who have served their communities well. Every year, we celebrate Anzac Day because we seek to honour those who have served our country in the most difficult way. More and more, the acknowledgement of country is being stated at gatherings and put around the place. And one group mentioned in an acknowledgement of country are Aboriginal elders. And part of the definition of being an Aboriginal elder involves serving Aboriginal communities. A few years ago, I was able to go to a service for my dad, who was awarded the, uh, I need to get this right, the Medal of the Order of Australia. This is also something, I think, uh, some other people in our church may have, uh, may have received. I think Gina Luckins received this if she's here this morning. Um, and this Order of Australia, it recognises Australians who have demonstrated outstanding service or exceptional achievement, and they have a special ceremony at Government House that, uh, where you are presented this award. Now, for this ceremony, you need to get dressed up in a suit. You need to wear your nicest clothes. You're given amazing food and drinks. You have to arrive at a specific time. You're told exactly where to go. And everything about this service, it all ran like clockwork. It is by far the most official event that I have ever attended in, uh, in my life at Government House. Uh, during the ceremony, each person, they're called up individually and they're called up to accept their reward. And there's some background given as to why someone is receiving their award. And I was able to sit there as everyone was being presented their awards and listen to all of the stories that were being said about how different people had served their community in all different ways, and all these different people had made a huge contribution to, uh, to our society. 
All of these people, they did what they did, not expecting an Order of Australia award at the end, but simply because they chose to serve others. Now, we admire this. We honour this. We admire service as a nation. We want to honour those who serve their communities. But most things in our world try to take us away from serving others. Many things in our world are trying to give us only what we want as individuals. We're being wired more and more solely to receive rather than to give. But the call here is to serve one another in such a way that it is like you are a slave to the people around you. That's a huge call of service for us to to make. Now, as I am saying all of this, some of you may be having a thought of, that's a a huge thing to say, Dave, to to be able to serve one another in this way, but that seems like a pretty pretty big shortcut to uh, to burning out or, or something like that. Now, every single one of us, we have different ways that we have been wired to serve uh, in the church. And so we're not called to serve one another in every single way, but we are called to serve in how God has wired us or serve according to uh, something that might be more helpful, our shape. So every single one of us, we have been shaped uniquely by God to serve others in the church. Every single one of us, we have different spiritual gifts that we have been given by God. Those specific gifts that God has given us to specifically be able to advance His kingdom. Every single one of us has our heart. God has given us certain passions inside of us that He wants us to pursue. Every single one of us has abilities, the things that we've always been good at throughout our life. And we all have our personality. What are the things from how you're wired that might affect how you serve others. And finally, there's your experiences. Every single one of us has gone through different experiences in our lives, and God has allowed these things to enable us to grow in character. Now, if you want to know more about your own shape and how God might have wired you to serve, there is a section on our website where you are able to explore a little bit more about that just by scanning that QR code or heading over to, uh, to the website. Now, this doesn't mean that you should always only serve within these areas. It doesn't mean that that doesn't fit within my shape, so I'm not going to serve in that area. Sometimes you actually just need to get in and serve others where it's needed. But to not serve one another in your shape, in the way that God has wired you, is wasting the things that God has put within you to advance his kingdom. So that's the action. Serve one another. Every single one of us is called to do this. But then there's the attitude, which, we, which uh, Paul actually spends more time speaking about that. Paul doesn't tell us just to serve one another, but he gives direction on how we are to do it and what our inner, um, uh, inner motivation is to be. We don't serve reluctantly or expecting reward or recognition. Rather, we're told to serve humbly. Several years ago, I was scrolling through Facebook, and uh, as some of you do, and a video came up from a pastor friend of mine. This video was of him sweeping up in the foyer of his church after a busy Sunday, and after everyone in the church had gone home with the hashtag 
pastor life. All of the comments underneath this from other people spoke about how humble he was and how he was serving the church so well. And all I could think of, this is my cynical self that was, uh, that was speaking in this moment, all I could think of was he would have had to set up his phone in the right position, he would have had to press on on his phone, then he would have had to run over here, do some sweeping up, then he would have had to run back to his phone, press the off button, then he would have had to splice the video to just make it the right length, and then he would have had to go to posting this video on social media um, and display to everyone that he was serving others. Now, many of us, we might be thinking like I am, thinking fairly cynically of this, but for some of us, there may actually be things in our own life where we could relate and think, what are the things that maybe you and myself included, what are the things that we have put on display to the world to try and display our service to other people? I would say that that's not serving with humility. That's serving with the sole purpose of seeking recognition. That's wanting to be lifted up by other people, which is the opposite of, hu- of humility. Now, although I say um, we should serve without any expectation of recognition or reward, I do want to acknowledge that every single one of us has a desire within us to be valued and to know that we are valued by other people. A couple of guys, Gary Chapman, and, uh, who wrote The Five Love Languages, and Paul White, they did a survey of many organisations and did research into why people leave their workplaces. And the research showed that, um, by far, the overwhelming reason that people will leave their workplaces is because they don't feel valued. People generally will leave uh, less about pay or hours or benefits or holidays. People genuinely want to know that they are valued. Some of you here this morning or joining with us online, some of you may have left a workplace because you didn't feel valued in what you did. Now, this is normal within us and we should value the things that other people do around us. But if your desire of value moves into the area of having to be celebrated or recognised, then you've missed what service in the kingdom is all about. There are a couple of different examples where we see uh, in the Gospels of what service in the kingdom is to look like and what it isn't to look like. Firstly, what, the, uh, what service in the kingdom isn't to look like. In Matthew 18, 1-5, the disciples, they come to Jesus and they ask, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I mean, can you see the pride in this statement? They are approaching Jesus himself, the creator, the king of all things, and asking him, which of us 12 are going to be the best? And Jesus' response is, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You need to humble yourself. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's important because, once again, Jesus is calling us to take the most lowly place compared to others. In ancient Israel and Rome, children were placed on the same level as slaves. They were also considered property and not 
people. And Jesus says to his disciples in this moment, take that lowly position and then you will be seen as great in the kingdom. So that's what service isn't. Don't approach things like the disciples did here. But then what service is? We see the example of Jesus himself who takes on the role of a slave and he goes to his disciples and he washes their feet. The creator becomes a slave to his creation and serves his followers. That is humble service. This is the marker of Jesus' whole life. Jesus humbles himself and is willing to come as a baby. Jesus humbles himself and is raised by a construction worker. Jesus humbles himself and lives in Galilee of all places. Jesus humbles himself and is willing to die at the hand of his creation. <coughs> and Jesus humbles himself by taking on uh, his 12 disciples so that these created beings might be able to have new life. Paul doesn't finish here, though. He doesn't finish just by saying, serve one another humbly. He gives the most important aspect of the attitude that we are to have in, this last, uh, in these last few words. We are to do all of this in love. Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself but not any form of love. This is what we spoke about in week one of this series. We are to agape one another, unconditionally love one another. This is what every other one, one another statement is founded upon. Love one another unconditionally and incorporate this into how you serve. So serve one another in agape. There are no conditions on how you serve other people. When you serve someone else, it is to be with the attitude, I don't expect anything in return. There is no, I will do this for you if you do this for me. This is where Christian service is unique from the rest of the world. In most areas in society, there is an element of some reward or recognition attached to service. Now, this reward might be even as simple as enjoying the area that you serve in, but Christian service means that at times you are willing to serve others even when it costs you and there is very little joy in the action and you do that because you love others. There are certain uh, jobs that I do at home um, that I enjoy and there are many jobs that I do at home that I don't enjoy. I kind of rank these jobs in three different levels. So a job that I enjoy doing is taking the dogs for a walk. A job that I don't mind doing is the mowing, except in summer, and I, then it moves into a, into a different level. A job I don't particularly enjoy doing, I never found great joy in doing this, is the washing. I feel like I got the loudest amen of the whole service in uh, when, I, when I said that. <laughs> oh, some people love washing, there we go. Now, earlier this year, just after we had our son, Zach, in, uh, in January, there were a lot of jobs that my uh, wife wasn't able to, to help with and, uh, and I needed to take on board because she was recovering. Uh, and one of the things that she wasn't able to help with was, of course, the washing. This was typically something that we had always done together. Now, we have a big set of stairs in our house and Sarah needed to avoid going up and down and up and down as much as 
she could. And so it was, uh, it was important for her that she needed to stay uh, upstairs. And that was fine. I went about doing the washing. But after a few weeks of doing this by myself and running on low sleep and having another little person to wash for, including washing some cloth nappies, which are gross. I found myself one day as I was doing the washing feeling a tiny bit resentful. I wasn't feeling resentful at anyone or towards anything in particular. There was just something within me that just thought, I just don't want to do this. This sucks right now, just doing the the washing. This didn't last for very long, and I don't know why I I felt like this. And it only took took me a couple of minutes to snap out of feeling like this and to simply think, get over it. (laughs) You're doing this for your family. (laughs) You love your family. Come on, Dave, step up. Do what you need to do. Now, serving one another is important. Serving one another humbly is important. But serving one another in love is paramount. Love people as you, as you serve them. That will change total at your, your attitude and how you serve others. In particular, when you serve others, and maybe you don't get the recognition that you feel like you deserve, don't let resentment, don't let any sort of bitterness or frustration kick in. Or if you serve someone else and you've actually had to sacrifice pretty greatly for someone, don't let resentment ever kick in. Don't let it sink in. Don't let it settle in your soul. This is important. This is so important because Paul says here, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But then what does he say? If you bite and devour each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. The last bit feels almost like it's out of the blue here, but I think Paul's point here uh, here is that if you do any form of one anothering, if you serve one another without love as the foundation, there will be resentment and bitterness that will grow, and you will be inclined towards hurting other people. Simply do what Paul says. Serve one another humbly, Um, but make sure that you do it with a heart of agape love for other people. And so this week, I want to give you something really practical that you are able to do. This week, find one other follower of Jesus and ask, is there some way I can serve you this week? Maybe you could do their washing. Maybe you could take someone a meal. Maybe you could do someone's mowing. Maybe you could take someone for a lift somewhere that they need to go. Ask someone, is there anything I can help out with? Is there a need that you have? And after doing something for someone else, don't tell anyone about it. Keep it secret. Serve one another humbly. The other thing that you can do, the other thing I would just encourage you to do, and you can do this straight after our service this morning, is to honour those who serve you. Most people don't serve for recognition, but I can say um, on behalf of the people who serve in this church, it is nice to be thanked in a while. So today, and even on going into the future, if you are served by someone in this church in any way, say thank you. If you see someone setting up chairs, 
say thank you. When you have your morning coffee after the service, say thank you. Boys and girls brigaders, say thank you to your leaders. When you talk to the worship team after the service, say thank you. When you pick up your children from their ministry, say thank you. When you walk past the tech team up the back, say thank you. Our tech team was actually here a lot of yesterday, setting up lights and doing some, uh, some work here to be able to serve you. So thank them for what, they, uh, for what they do. Help one another, enable one another to serve humbly in love through thanking them and helping people know that they are valued. Help people know that their service is valued. Make it easy for one another to serve one another humbly in love. And personally, I just want to thank every single person in our church who does serve in some way. Thank you. Your service does make a difference to the kingdom of God, even if it doesn't feel like it at times. And I just think it would be great. Can we just honour every single person who serves in our church right now? That would just be great. (laughs) Several years ago, when I was a youth pastor. The church I was at was hosting an event called Youth Alive. This was a big youth gathering for high schoolers from around the area. All of the youth groups came together for a night of outreach and we had also gone into schools throughout the week leading up in, uh, in a way to promote the events. So hundreds of, uh, of young people from all over the place descended onto our church Uh, And we did not have uh, sufficient responsible leaders uh, to manage this. It was a great night and several young people placed their trust in Jesus in this night. But unfortunately, these, uh, these teenagers didn't have a great deal of concern for the gardens of the church. And so they ran through them and ended up destroying some recently planted flowers and things that had uh, recently been put them. They weren't vandalising or doing anything too silly. They were just running through a lot of the gardens and not taking care. The following Sunday, I needed to have a chat to the guy who did all the work uh, in in our gardens. His name's Alan. And I went straight up to him and I apologised. I said, uh, I'm sorry that this has happened to, uh, to your gardens. There were just too many teenagers for us to, to handle. And Alan, who was a very stern kind of guy, he looked at me and he said, did these pe- young people hear about Jesus? I said, yes. <laughs> did some of these young people get saved? I said, yes. Well, he said, what's the big deal with some gardens getting trampled on? That's why we do this, so that people find Jesus. One thing you need to know about Alan is he was one of the oldest people in the whole church. He was at least 150 years old. (laughs) So for him to do this sort of yard work every day out in the sun would have been backbreaking. And for him to have this attitude after all the hard work that he would have done and knowing that he would have to just start from scratch again This was genuinely inspiring. This is what it looks like to serve one another humbly in love. Be filled with a love for who you serve so that even when things go wrong, even when things don't go your way or your hard work seems like a waste, you can say in in yourself, 
that you loved the people that you served. A a church that loves one another in the way that Jesus calls us to. This is a church that gives to one another sacrificially in the same way that Jesus did, without any sign of reward. And I believe we can be that church together. Let's pray. King Jesus, we, more than anything, we just thank you for your example to us. What an example, Jesus, that you came to this earth. That you came humbly and were born in a manger. You served people who would have frustrated you and being difficult and people who denied you and you did all of that so humbly because you loved them and so King Jesus would you give us hearts like yours would you give us hearts that are willing to serve one another not seeking to gain anything in return but just simply because we do love one another and as we do that would we experience the freedom that you offer us Thank you, King Jesus, that you do offer us freedom in your name. And so, Lord, even as this week, as we go to to serve one another, even after this service, as we um, honour those who serve, help us to love one another well with an unconditional love in Jesus' name. Amen.